Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Bundesliga show brought to you by Over the Bar. Uh, we are back tonight for a match week 19 review, uh, joined by the lads, as per usual, Mark and Peter, checking in uh, after another fantastic weekend's worth of Bundesliga action. So we shall be uh, running our way through the most exciting games, those games that had impacts at the top and bottom end of the table. Uh, just before we do, of course, we have to get ourselves kickstarted by the fact that we are in partnership with both Bundesliga Boxes and Bully News, uh, who Peter writes for. Uh, so make sure you get yourselves across to Bundesliga Boxes to try and get a hold of any spare boxes that they've got. I think the last batch has actually just run out. So see if there are any new ones maybe coming out or any extra ones that they have in stock. And of course, get over to Bully News for everything from long rights, tactics, transfer gossip and everything else in between. Make sure to smash a like on the video if you can. Join us uh, in the live comments for any questions you may have from this uh, match week that has just gone, as well as smashing that red button and subscribing to the channel. Uh, Amar, do you want to just run us through the, uh, the promo or another competition that we are doing as well? Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, obviously the Football League Weekly, which is our partner show really here on uh, Over the Bar YouTube channel, they're doing a su surprise shirt giveaway, actually. So, obviously, this is like a kind of, it's a startup company from, from what I can gather. And it's basically like they give away random football shirts, but it, unlike Bundesliga boxes, not only German football shirts, it's just general football shirts from all over the world. So, you could pretty much get your football shirts from i know that dave the guy who does the promo like literally you can get them from pretty much every country in the world so i very much recommend it check out our twitter which you can see uh, at the bottom at over the bar if you're at over the bar extra you can see it uh, advertised on there and you can get if you click the link then you can uh, you can get the giveaway as well then you can also get a discount as well actually you can also get a 10 percent discount with by following the link so remember to check that out on our twitter and we'll probably stick it below on the youtube after the video as well so yeah remember to check that out smashing stuff so uh straight into business then then gents mm -hmm. um uh, and as per usual as it seems recent uh weeks we will be keeping you updated with the current dfb pokal um match which frankfurt are already winning uh thanks to a goal from randall kolo muani as yes. per usual, continuing his fine form. Um, so Frankfurt are one up early on in the Pokal. Um, so, gents, we're, we're going to start with Bayern back. Um, so on, on Sunday, Sunday afternoon, Sunday evening, they responded in kind after all their title contenders and challengers put down a marker for them uh, and they got their first win since the restart in the Bundesliga after three straight draws, seeing off Wolfsburg um, in a highly entertaining match, um, but one that maybe people were just flicking through the, the goals and seeing it was a 4-2 victory, people might think pretty standard and easy win for Bayern, but Peter, maybe the stats tell us something slightly different. Uh, every stat tells you something different. Um, of course, the X goals being the, uh, the stat that we reference uh, usually first in football these days. Uh, Wolfsburg defeated uh, Bayern by a score of, I believe it was uh, 263 to point uh, or not point 
8-4. Uh, almost a 3-1 to one difference in the X goals. Uh, also in possession, also in passing stats um, of some real relevance sprints, Wolfsburg were able to uh, defeat Bayern by a 2-1 to one ratio. So this was a game. It was a hell of a game. Uh, I hope uh, as many people had a chance to catch it as they possibly could. Uh, but this was a game in which Wolfsburg absolutely deserved to feel hard done by for not winning. Uh, of course, they only have themselves to blame for not converting the chances. But uh, for the third consecutive league match, uh, I'm not ashamed to say that Julian Nagelsmann got out-tacticed. got out-tacticed by uh, Stefan Baumgart in Köln. He got, or against Köln, I should say. He got out-tacticed by Oliver Glasner in the Frankfurt draw, the 1-1 draw. And Nico Kovac uh, threw three in-game tactical shifts. Uh, he started off in a sort of an odd-looking 3-3-2-2. Uh, um, he then broke up his back three, uh, took off Maxon Lacroix, and uh, started and put in a 4-1-4-1. And then after Joshua Kimmich got sent off on double yellows, and Wolfsburg actually had the man advantage, he went with a 5-2-3. So tactically speaking, he was on the nose. Finishing-wise, Wolfsburg were unable to put it away. Uh, if you're wondering how Bayern scored four goals, it was through some moments of magic from Kingsley Coman, who is in excellent form, and uh, Jamal Musiala, who went ahead and took on ten mark the entire outfield and uh, walked the ball into the back of the net himself, as he's prone to do on occasion. So, um, although the Pokal win for Bayern uh, last midweek, and I apologize for my tip last week uh, once again, and we'll. <laughs> on the watch along but i'll apologize again uh although nagelsman really earned his paycheck midweek and put out a great tactical system a back three with joe cancello um in the league he's still targeted and he's still being beaten by his uh, opposing head coaches so the title race is absolutely on and uh don't let anyone tell you otherwise Yeah, uh, sorry, I thought you were um, <laughs> elaborating more than detail. Um, well, I can always give you more, but you know, there's um, two of us here. So. <laughs> no, absolutely. Um, yeah, I think based on what we saw in the Pokal, um, it, it seemed that Bayern were almost offended by the fact that uh, people, people think that there is a title race, which, as you say, Peter, I think there is a bigger title race than possibly we've had since doing the show. Um, Mark, you know, like g going forwards now, Bayern of scoring goals again, but uh, as Peter alluded to, has Nagelsmann still got to settle into, you know, the restart from, you know, from a tactics point of view, that there's still pressure on him with those three draws anyway. And, you know, the pressure of, um, winning the Bundesliga, winning the Pokal and doing well in Europe. So as the games come thick and fast, Nagelsmann's obviously got to be able to prove that he is an elite level head coach. Yeah, I mean, I'm pretty worried for them, to be honest. I mean, from a Bundesliga perspective, I think it's great news because this is the, I agree, on, on paper, a 4-2 win at Wolfsburg looks really good, you know, especially a side that have been good at home for a while. But if you, I did watch the game all the way through and they just weren't that good, to be honest, in the match. And, you know, they started really well, but the first goal was a little bit lucky by a come on, wasn't it, really? I mean, the goalkeeper, Castiel's misjudged the cross and probably was easily 
they should have avoided that goal basically they should have had enough quality to either get it away or save it obviously a moment of magic from the brilliant uh cross from cancelo as well and brilliant brilliantly put home by come but i mean after that it was pretty much all wolfsburg for me and i think even if you look towards the end of the game when it was 4-2 I think with about five minutes left, there was a goal disallowed as well. I don't know if you remember that one, but they could have got it back to 4-3. I thought they were going to give the goal. Uh, they actually disallowed it for um, a foul from Baku on uh, Goretzka. But for me, it looked like uh, a bit of 50-50 really that one. I think both players were kind of fouling each other. So for me, they were a little bit unlucky with that one. That could have been 4-3 with 10 minutes to go. So... You know, they could easily have drawn the game after all, really, even if Wolfsburg missed a lot of chances through the match. I think, yeah, he's getting out tactic. He, he, a lot of the players just don't seem to know the roles in that team at the moment for me. And it's just uh, things aren't good at the minute for Bayern Munich. And I agree that they were brilliant against Mainz on the Wednesday evening, but this was a, a lucky win at the end of the day. They could easily have drawn or lost this game. But at the end of the day, it is a win. They've got this massive tie against Paris Saint-Germain coming up in, is it next week, the first leg or the week after? It's getting closer anyway. And for me, that's the kind of match that Julian Nagelsmann is going to be judged on, ultimately. I think if they lose that two-legged tie, he could end up being out of a job come the summer, to be honest with you. you know. And I think that is the problem that he's facing because I think tactically he's not been great. They, they have a very good, well-invested squad, you know, which has been obviously bulked up in the January window with the brilliant signing of Cancelo, who's already proved his quality in the first two games. But there's a lot of players in there that just don't seem to be on form at the minute, specifically the defence. Delict has not overly impressed me, to be honest. I know Apamecano was missing for this game, but... There's a, there's a lot of problems in there at the moment. Uh, even Jan Sommer has not really overly impressed me so far in a Bayern Munich shirt. He doesn't seem to have that same control over the defence. There's a lot of mutterings behind closed doors as well that potentially uh, Neuer and Nagelsmann don't get on as well. I don't know if you read that. Oh, that's, but that's, are, not, yeah. that's not in behind closed doors at all. Um, as a matter of fact, that's, that's pretty big news in German football circles. Yeah. Um, Manuel Neuer called up uh, two of... Germany's biggest heavy-hitting journalists, uh, Raphael Honigstein of The Athletic and Philipp Seldorf uh, of um, the Süddeutsche Zeitung, and invited them over to his uh, sort of uh, Bavarian Alp retreat there, uh, and threw kind of a self-pity party for himself in, in the German estimation. I mean, really what he did was, is, I mean, as, as some people may know, Bayern parted company with um, goalkeeping coach uh, Tony uh, Tapalovic, who was Neuer's uh, mm. sort of red-shirted sports psychologist. Keepers are always very, very particular about their goalkeeping coach because it's such a psychological position. Um, and, you know, he conducted this interview and in, and said in, in no uncertain terms at all that he felt like his heart had been ripped out, like he had never seen mm. uh, such a crass move ever done of, you know, in football administration and said that it amounted to a kick to him when he was down. So he was already down and he got a drop kick to the ribs, more or less, is, is what he's insinuating. Um, I, I don't see Manuel Neuer continuing with Bayern uh, through the summer, I think. Mm -hmm. uh, and a lot of this has to do with the fact that Nagelsmann did not get along with Tapalovic. Um, also, Alexander Nübel was reluctant to return back from loan because he didn't mm -hmm. want to play behind Neuer again. Um, Sommer is actually signed on a two-year contract. Norio's contract expires at the end of next season. He's considered well past his prime. 
uh, in terms of, you know, who Germans want actually uh, in the national team goal. Kevin Trapp from Eintracht Frankfurt is considered, Eintracht Frankfurt is considered the, the better uh, choice uh, at this point. And Tesh Degen has also made his case. So this is a very public dust up in which Oliver Kahn, a former goalkeeper himself, has said, you know, who is not prone to, you know, I mean, he, he did his whining when Jens Lehmann replaced him. But he's basically said that Neuer was out of line. So is Hassan Salihamidzic. So is Herbert Heiner. So is everybody associated with Bayern. So this is a dust up that they didn't need uh, at you know a moment where they are, let's face it, facing real challengers for the first time in years. And the biggest problem with Bayern in the defense, Delict, uh, as you as you pointed out, is dipping in form. Benjamin Pavard. He had to play center back, of course. Um, can we even consider him a center back anymore at this, <laughs> this point? I mean, I don't remember if that's, I don't remember when he was a center back, to be honest with you, <laughs> for either club or for country. Stuttgart, I think. <laughs> oh, okay. Maybe. Um, yeah. So, I mean, I wouldn't say that they're in crisis. Um, no. Back three that we saw against Mainz, that's probably the wave of the future. I think that probably. Uh, Cancelo's um, arrival may push Alfonso Davies, who hasn't been in the greatest form, out of the lineup. And Nagelsmann probably rolls with a back three using Kimmich as the bolt lock sweeper uh, and uh, Cancelo and Coman as the wingbacks. And mm -hmm. he builds upon that Pokal success. And they're still going to win a lot of matches, but other teams are going to keep pace. So that's what makes the Bundesliga exciting. Exciting. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, and then nothing really to worry about from a Wolfsburg point of view. Three losses in a row. Obviously, if you include the Pokal in, inside of that. Um, but, you know, naturally, so so much to take from from the match on Sunday. Um, you know, I think the, the most the most shots um, that Bayern have faced all season uh, that Wolfsburg managed to get off. Uh, obviously, we, you know, we've already spoken about the XG. So do, do we expect them to, to bounce back pretty quickly in, in, in the games to come uh, and still keep on charging up the table? Considering that they're playing Schalke on Friday night, yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I didn't want to completely douse Schalke's yeah. hopes after their um, yeah, an, another fine nil-nil draw. Um, <laughs> so, uh, brilliant stuff. So, we'll move on and, um, and, and talk about the Dortmund-Freiburg uh, game and before we start to get into, you know, the, the details of the match itself, I, I think we just have to say uh, just bravo to Seb Haller. Um, you know, just mm. the timings of everything is kind of almost aligned with him scoring his first goal for the club, you know, in front of the yellow wall uh, on World Cancer Day. Uh, just an, an astounding effort from him to to return to the fold and what did you, know, you gentlemen think of the halfway circle did you did you check that out sorry what's that what they did to the set what they did to center circle they yeah i saw it with the tumor on the thing yes. yeah, yeah. Uh, right. it, uh with a tumor yes the reflective yeah. testicular tumor they did yeah it, it was a superb story wasn't it i mean it's like and i think he's really improved the team as well obviously we saw in the uh hin runder it was mostly anthony Medes starting games and let's be honest he didn't exactly do himself any justice really in a 
the yellow shirt, did he at all? I think he only got one league goal in the end, which was pretty uh, measly cool. considering he's a BBB centre forward. But I think, you know, obviously, I think that was his third start um, this weekend. He's looked good in every game. You know, I think he was fantastic in this particular match. Obviously, the match itself, obviously, there was one moment really which decided the game ultimately, and it was that Sildelia sending off after just 16 minutes. Clumsy from the young fullback, really, wasn't it? I mean, the second foul was a little bit soft in my eyes, but it probably was a booking, you know. I think he kind of fell into him a little bit, but I can understand why Christian Schreib was really annoyed. And he did later go on to say that the referee should have been wearing a yellow shirt, I think, which obviously got him his marching orders as well in the second half. You know, one of the big characters of the German game, isn't he? But I can understand why that they would have been a bit disappointed to get a booking for that second challenge because, uh, you know, it was very early on in the match. He'd only made two challenges, and you know, but ultimately that was what won them the game. I think because in the first half, I thought Freiburg were great. They, they didn't do very much, but they were very tenacious. They stayed in the game, and obviously Lucas Hurler smashing in the equaliser right on the halfway point, which was amazing. Really, the journeyman, really a bit of a cult hero in Freiburg as well, smashing them level on the halfway line. But then. Yeah, the second half, they just fell away, didn't they? Obviously, they conceded the early goal in the second period. And then it was that man, Halle, who managed to bang in the third goal, wasn't it? After just 51 minutes, the header coming in to make it 3-1. And by that point, the game was pretty much over. But got to say, Julian Brandt got the goal of the game. That was a cracking strike from him. Like the bending, almost looked like Roberto Carlos style, didn't it? Absolutely brilliant effort from Brandt, who isn't every Dortmund's favourite player, let's be honest. But he played well in this particular match. But, you know, Dortmund are hot at the moment. I think... Um, you know, I did. The first half wasn't great against ten men. Let's be honest, but the second half they really made up for that and they won the game very convincingly in the end. Yeah, it was a unbalanced game after that red card so yeah. early on, and and yeah, Dor Dortmund picked up and were a lot better in the second half. You know, you have to think that the Schlotterbeck goal is such an acute angle. It's kind of like yeah. a one in a one in a million kind of effort. So, you know, you take that out. Uh, and then the equaliser is typical Dortmund defending. Ricochets <laughs> everywhere. No, no great communication. Um, no one picking up who they should be. Uh, and you know, Holler um, does well to smash in the opportunity. But yeah, they did pick up and, and scored some nice goals after that. Yeah, the brand strike is great from, from distance. Um, Impressed by Adiemi, nice bit of build-up play, mm. obviously involving Bellingham and uh, Gio Reyna, another goal uh, for the American, picking you know picking up some fine form once more. Really tidy finish, actually. I really liked the way he kind of just daisy cutted it um, in with the side foot, uh, very neatly done, although for a few bodies perhaps, so maybe unsighted. Mm -hmm. um, so. <laughs> yeah, is there anything that you picked up from from a tactical point of view in that game? I, I, I guess you know, strike. You know, this happens. It, um, it, it, it was the tactical focus feature of my column. I had pre-selected it, uh, you know, uh, prior to the weekend. And of course, it's always a shame when your tactical focus feature uh, has a sending off that early in the match because, you know, it's not exactly real football when you've got a ten v nine in the in the outfield there. But uh, I found a lot to say about it, particularly the play of Julian Brandt. He was amazing, not just his goal, but uh, what he was able to do on the right-hand side, what he was able to do off of set pieces. Some of the mm -hmm. magic 
footwork that I saw from him. I didn't know Julian Grant was capable of that. Even in his, <laughs> early, even in his early days, um, you know, he <clears throat> with Leverkusen, when he was supposed to be the next big thing on the German national team, he showed potential, but he didn't show what he showed us uh, on Saturday. And he hasn't, he is really coming into his own. Finally, it's been three plus seasons with Dortmund now. Um, it shows what a good coach Eden Tazic is, uh, that he can bring the best out of uh, players like that and has really uh, breathed a new life into Jurjen Brandt. Karim Adeyemi scored mm -hmm. once again. Now got a two-match uh, scoring streak. Um, there are so many. Rafael Guerrero looked amazing. Where did that come from? I mean, and Marius Wolf was good. You know? is already forgotten about Julian Ryerson, who's been out for the last couple of matches. Mm -hmm. um, Dortmund are on a serious roll. I joked with Brandt and, and Wolf that, you know, maybe Erling Haaland left a little something behind for the Blondies with their with their hairstyle choices. <laughs> but no, they, they are incredibly good. And uh, yeah, I, I believe that they might be for real this time. And I've said that for the 1347th time in the last decade but uh truthfully i i don't see bochum uh dortmund the pokal fixture we have a, a question from Balam there about bayern uh, versus bochum next weekend probably not going to be very pretty um bayern tend to uh overall although bochum did win at home against bayern in the hin yeah, yeah. 4-2 yeah. last year um Dortmund Bochum, the Pokal match tomorrow night in uh, on the Kastrop, uh, with lots of Herbert Grönemeyer playing under the lights, is going to be a lot of fun. Uh, I'm not going to make a tip on that, but I suggest everybody tune into that. Um, yeah, I don't think that Bochum stand a chance against Bayern next week, but uh, Bochum in the Pokal fixture tomorrow could be a close match. Yeah. Speaking of the Pokal, um, Darmstadt have hit back with two goals. Uh, so they now lead Frankfurt in Frankfurt, uh, thanks to wow. two goals in two minutes by uh, Honsak. So there we are, uh, potential for a uh, an upset in the Pokal as uh, as things stand. Um, comment in from uh, Klee, uh, Karen Adiemi on strikes press conference. He's retired. <laughs> oh, man, blimey. Yeah. Hey, hey, hey. <laughs> what doesn't disrespect? Yeah, uh, St. Christian Streich. Uh, <laughs> like who uh, knows better than that? Okay. Yeah. Oh. Uh, <laughs> picking up on picking up on Freiburg then, because um, you know, so four games since the restart, they've won one of them. Um, they've conceded thirteen goals in those four matches. Obviously, previous to that, they'd only conceded seventeen in fifteen matches. Um, what what's gone wrong for Freiburg? Have they just thrown in a couple of horror performances and need to just kind of reset a little bit? Uh, or, I mean, and there's been obviously this this tactical choice to to leave out Vincenzo Grifo. Um, you know, not necessarily saying that Grifo is the reason why they've conceded X amount of goals, obviously, because that's a silly comment, but. Um, well, what's been going on at Freiburg in these uh, these last few weeks? Well, what happened was is that uh, Streich, the team had an excellent January training camp. They really looked good. But then they lost 0-6 to Wolfsburg on the first match day back from the break. And so Streich had to ditch his back four and reconfigure a back three. 
and it never really looked good. Um, it's, it's, it, it produced some improved results. They drew against Frankfurt and they won against Augsburg, but they were never dominant in, in either match for a long period of time. And uh, Streich, I, you know, I don't know what he was thinking on Saturday. He did not start Gregorich. Uh, he, uh, he started uh, Doan, uh, as the uh, Doan and, and Daniel Kofi-Kiera as the two strikers in a really, really conservative spread out kind of, you know, 3-5-2 or 3-3-2-2 if you prefer. Um, it's almost like he was conceding defeat before kickoff. And perhaps that's because he always does bad away at, at Dortmund. Um, so he was in for a cranky day no matter what, uh, uh, I think. And Cedilia sending off, you know, I, I'm, I'm probably going to side with Schroeder on that because he did he did commit three fouls. He was warned once, he was booked once, and then he was he was sent off. Uh, you know, and and there were a lot of uh, um, Schroeder, the the referee Robert Schroeder, he had to make a lot. He had to intervene a lot because things were really intense and really physical there. You know, when I first heard Streich make the yellow shirt comment, I thought he was talking about all of the yellow cards. I didn't it didn't register with me. <laughs> <laughs> that he was talking about a Dortmund shirt. Um, but uh, they did uh, win today uh, against Sandhausen. They, yeah. they traveled north to uh, uh, in Baden-Württemberg there, and they played the Sandmen. Uh, pretty much an expected result, but, uh, and, they, and they only got the two goals rather late. Mm, um, yeah. But, uh, yeah, I mean, they're, I, they're not top four material, I don't think. Uh, I think we've learned that in these four rounds back from the break. Uh, they're not title contenders. Uh, another Europa League uh, uh, campaign seems to be in the cards. Um, they're just, you know, they're just out of the discussion for the time being. Not not out of the, you know, they're, they're not a mid-table side. They should get up to, you know, fifth, sixth, perhaps the Conference League place as well. But they're just, he had to do some tactical tweaking he eventually Streich will make it work. That's what he does. Yeah, well, fully confident in that. So let's break up the uh, the title race chat just for a little while, and we'll come back to to the likes of Union and and Co uh, in in a short while and talk about a match that was highly entertaining, um, but for reasons at the opposite end of the table where Borkum, um hit. Poor Hoffenheim for five more um, in a um, obviously in a very impressive performance, a fifth home win in a row, um, which I think is the first time they've done that since um, 1976. Uh, so not not bad going in that regards. And um, it was another hat trick of assists, um, and this time it was from Antwi. Achi, um and yeah, he so he was the provider for um, tapping for Hoffman um, early on after there had been plenty of chances anyway for the home side. Masovic uh, and Hoffman had both had chances. Um, he then laid a, a lovely cutback for Philip Forster, who never would have done that in a Stuttgart. As <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a Stuttgart man, yeah. <laughs> uh, a composed, clean strike um, mm. so to make it, yeah, to make it 2-0. I believe it was his birthday as well, I think. Um, so we're, we're not too far apart. Um, and then a, a third goal for Asano. I mean, obviously it's an assist by definition, but Asano does all the work powering through 
um, a non-existent Hoffenheim uh, defence to make it three zip and, and pretty much um, finish the match as a contest. Although Hoffenheim did make four changes, um, guys, and um, made a positive start to the second half with Baumgartner, but never materialised into anything. And Volkham got tremendously important win and, and Hoffenheim are still dragging their heels, just to say the least. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, obviously, Brighton Wrighter paid for it with his job as well, because, I mean, I think he realised at half-time, didn't he, that uh, enough was enough, really. Obviously, Rosen, his sporting director as well, was also under pressure, but he basically made the decision to fire Brighton Wrighter. I think it was on Monday morning, wasn't it? Which is not a surprise at all, really, because only five wins in 19 games is just woeful at the end of the day. With a side of their quality, you know, they've always been backed with financial power. And what's been surprising me is their defensive... Uh, lapses recently because you know i think jo, uh, your favorite guy peter uh, brooks uh, he's been absolutely dire since he signed hasn't he like i think every performance has been poor so far he was he was heading back passes short to defenders yeah. and it just wasn't his day at all and let's be honest this move to hoffenheim hasn't worked out so far i know it's still only three four games in but yeah. let's give him time but it's not working out he's gone into a side that are playing on very, very little confidence at the moment. And, um, you know, Kabak as well, he's meant to be the leader in that team. He was also signed for big money in the summer and he's not been very good either. He actually started quite well, the the Turk, but in recent months, he's just not been doing very well at all, has he? But yeah, let's give some credit to Bolcom as well because they were absolutely brilliant. You know, there is a side at home who really like to play some good football, some kind of rock and roll football, as Jurgen Klopp would call it. You know, they play a lot of attacking uh, players Play, like they really kind of try to take it to teams high press and you know a lot of the forwards obviously we we were worried how they were going to score goals uh, this season but they've not had problems at home in particular and you know i think andrea jay is a good player we saw some of him last season as well but that hat-trick of assists was superb especially the first one was a fantastic ball in I do like Philip Hoffman as well. I think he's a goal scorer at this level. I think that's seven league goals that he's managed now, which is really, really good for a side that have been down at the bottom for most of the season. And obviously Asano as well. It was great to see them both start as well, because I do like Asano. Obviously, the, the man, the Tiger, who scored the goal against uh, Germany as well in the World Cup. I'm sure Peter won't remember that one fondly. But, you know, a very good player as well for Bochum. Another quality Japanese player in the Bundesliga. And all in all, it was a brilliant performance from the home side for me. Yeah, it's Jaguar, Ta Takuma Jaguar. Jaguar, sorry, not the uh, Tiger. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, he might have actually ended uh, Manuel Neuer's national team career with that goal as well. <laughs> but we, we link back to that. Uh, incredibly impressive for Bochum, whom I, when we were having our chat to, to, to preview the Rückrunde, I, I really said I, I love their signings. I love how they've put this together. They've mm -hmm. got these gentlemen here. Uh, and uh, I don't believe that they're really in the relegation discussion anymore. Okay, in two weeks, I may reserve the right to change my opinion because things are <laughs> like that. Um, Philip Hoffmann, I think, was a was a great signing. Uh, this is a guy who's been playing in the Zweite Liga for many, many years, most recently with the Karlsruher Sport Club, but also Eintracht Braunschweig and, and Spielvereinigung Kräuterführt. And uh, he's just one of those players who's gotten better with age. He was ready to make that next step up to the top. He got off to a a rather lousy start uh, in the top level, but now, as you said, he has seven league goals. So I think they have an excellent target man there, and they have a lot of talent on the bench. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I, 
I made Bochum one of the focuses of my tactics column with the drop and things like that. Uh, Andrea J and Jordi Ose Tutu. We, I think we could have these two hyphenated wingers. <laughs> Great. <laughs> <thing. laughs> that was Andrea J. No, no, wait, that was Ose Tutu. Wait, oh, uh, okay. You know, the announcers will have trouble keeping up because they're both pacey. And uh, Asano can, of course, play great on the wings, too. Let's not forget the Filipino uh, typhoon, uh, Garrett Holtman, uh, Zola. Yeah, he can he can play on the, the wings there, too. Pierre Kunde Melong on the bench. Kevin Schlotterbeck was on the bench for this one. We'll see how he does about, against younger brother Nico and the Paul uh, mm -hmm. tomorrow. That should be quite interesting. Yeah. Um, yeah, they really are a good team. Hoffenheimer refuse. They're garbage. They're putrid. Uh, Brighton writer absolutely, you know, his tactics were beyond absurd. I mean, he had Christoph Baumgartner playing as a wingback in the first half for crying out loud. I mean, he's just throwing anything to the wall and, and, and hoping that it sticks. Um, unfortunately, Hoffenheim not really part of the relegation discussion either. Uh, it's been confirmed, not officially confirmed, but Kicker and Bild are both reporting today that Pellegrino Matarazzo is going to take over Hoffenheim and uh, he will get them straight because they have enough talent to do so. And probably Rory wishes he was still at Stuttgart at this point because... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 yeah, don't get me started. <laughs> um, yes, yeah, so very entertaining game. Um, and it looks like it is an entertaining game in the Polkow tonight as well, uh, as we put on screen. But for anyone that's listening um, and not able to access the screen, it is now 2-2. Rafa Bore um, set up by Goetze. So 2-2 just before half time, as reported there uh, by Klee. Um, so probably a couple of other games that we'll look into uh, in a bit more detail um, before the evening is out. Uh, and so we'll maybe go back to a team that got themselves to the summit of the Bundesliga, albeit momentarily, as Union Berlin um, left it rather late to, to edge past um, Mainz, uh, you know, in a, a game that was scrappy in, in parts, I think. Um, and, you know, uh, Kevin Behrens was able to um, scramble home the, the opener uh, after an, a nice ball in by uh, Seguin. Um, and uh, Mines tried to get themselves back into it and were kind of huffing and puffing. But I think obviously the opportunity they were gifted was from this VAR call. Um, so it'll be interesting to see uh, both of your uh, reactions to that call first and foremost. Um, I think I'm for the decision. Uh, personally speaking, I think it, it was a, a movement of the arm. So I'll go to you both in a sec about that. Um, to which Ingvartsen put it, put it home duly. Uh, and then what changed the match was Urs Fischer reacting very quickly and sending out um, the heroes to be uh, Thorsby. But finally, Jordan Pifuk, the return of first goal uh, <laughs> since, uh, since match day seven. Wow. Um, uh, and that was probably a long time ago in terms of the calendar, maybe not so long in terms of the match days, but um, he obviously would be thrilled with a lovely uh, finish, just kind of walked onto it on, on the half volley for his fourth goal of the season. 
winning it late on um, for the Berlin club. And yeah, it took them temporarily back to the top of the Bundesliga, which is just utterly ridiculous. But obviously, Bayern are back up there now. Um, gents, first and foremost, was it was it a handball? Yeah, for me it was. Yeah, I think we we often see a lot of soft, kind of softish handball penalties. Now I think we saw one for Stuttgart the week before as well against Leipzig, where there was no real danger from the ball, but it did touch his hand, uh, and it was uh, kind of purposeful movement towards the ball. So it's got to be a penalty ultimately. It's always frustrating when your team concedes a penalty like that. Like I hate it when my team uh, concedes those kind of penalties. But yeah, it was definitely a penalty for me. But it was quite ironic because Mainz had pretty much done nothing in the whole game really until then. You know, I think their XG up until that point was about 0.2 for the whole match. They'd only had a few like crosses coming in, not very much at all. But then obviously in Vats and he, he is a good penalty taker. He comfortably put it away. But I mean, what character from Union, you know, because that was after 78 minutes, the equaliser. They only had another 15 minutes or so to go and win it. And it was a really good goal as well. I thought it was a great finish from Jordan. You know, I'm a little bit surprised to see uh, Thorsby as well not starting games because he's a really good player, in my view, a great midfielder, you know. But we do see a lot of rotation in the Bundesliga. And obviously, Union did play in midweek as well against Wolfsburg in the Cup. But yeah, I mean, fantastic win from them. Again, it wasn't their best performance. You know, it definitely wasn't. But you've got to win ugly sometimes, haven't you? If you want to finish in that top four or provide a title race. And that's exactly what Union did in the end. Uh, I agree with you both that it was a, a penalty. Uh, I've written several articles about this as the German FA has been uh, quite fastidious about what they consider to be handball penalty and whatnot. And when there have been mistakes made, they've actually admitted their mistakes and they've published uh, reports uh, uh, <clears throat> saying why that these, these were mistakes. Uh, what happened with Paul Seguin is that he made his body bigger with the use uh, yeah. of his arm. And that falls under the classification of a, of a handball penalty. Um, I'm glad we got that because it actually really woke the match up. The match was immensely entertaining uh, in the final minutes. Um, it was three substitutes uh, uh, combined on the goal there. Uh, Thorsby, uh, Gieselman, and uh, the American Jordan, uh, whom, as you correctly pointed out, hadn't scored since uh, since match day seven. So he ended a, a, a big goal-scoring drought. Um, shouldn't be enough to supplant Kevin Behrens as the, as the starting striker. Uh, yep. Behrens, of course, also scored in this one um, and uh, signed a new contract. Um, wrote a story about that. I thought it was really interesting that Behrens, who was a, uh, a career second league player, and uh, Christian Gross over at Weyman, who was playing for the reserves at the age of 29, you know, they became late bloomers. They enjoyed late uh, rena uh, renaissances, uh, resurgences, and they find success. I always love stories like that. You're never yeah. too old. Never yeah. too old. Uh, well, the, re the renaissance man who we were talking about last, um, was it last week or the week before, on this Onisi will um, yeah. almost yeah. Um, got, got them back into it. Took took yeah. things into it into his own hands, but uh, wasn't wasn't quite able able to do so. Um, speaking of handballs, uh, we might come to this if we have time. Do, do we think Stuttgart should have had another one? If we're talking about making making the body bigger, uh, I think yeah. to be fair, I, I mean I was you know not particularly pleased or half watching by the end of it um, because it didn't look like we were getting the goal for heaven or money. Mm -hmm. um, but 
the the player for me makes himself bigger, you know, mm. and has the arm clearly above the head, uh, which is marked as being an unnatural position. So, well, why was that not looked at from a VA point of, point of view, Peter? Is that something that's going to be written up as a mistake, or am I just being? I I look forward to finding out. As a matter of fact, I mean, if it if it is a mistake, the day of Day FB will admit it. They grade the referees. The German uh, press uh, uh, grades our, our match officials. Um, and we're not above admitting that there was a mistake uh, necessarily. <clears throat> so, I mean, I, I would have to take another look at it myself. Um, I, I don't think I can weigh in on one way or the other. I mean, I'm aware of the play, but I haven't mm. seen it four or five times replay. Perhaps, Mark, uh, mm. what would your views on the matter be? Yeah, I, I was convinced he was going to give the penalty because I was watching the game, actually. And I, I was actually talking to my dad on the phone at the time. And I said, it's 2-0 to Werder because my dad bets on Bundesliga as well. And he, he backed Werder on our recommendation, by the way, Peter. But yeah, <laughs> and then I, I was just going to say, oh, it's going to be 2-1 in a minute because they're going to get a penalty. So I was convinced they were going to give it, to be honest. But then all of a sudden, they waved it away. So I think yeah. that is one thing that I find frustrating about football in general these days. That there seems to be no consistency in the decisions at all like it, I think the Bundesliga is better than certain other parts of football definitely I think the Bundesliga is a lot more consistent but it, it is a frustrating thing in general like why does one team get a penalty but another doesn't Do you know what I mean it's just I just find that really frustrating you know and it was the same for me with the decision on um, the Baku foul on Goretzka I just didn't see that as enough in that to disallow the goal you know and for me I'm a big fan of the benefit the attacker as well I do like that rule like if there's a goal scored I think that has to be a real good reason to disallow it for me and I think a few results did go against teams on the Sunday games but you know, I think ultimately Stuttgart was still a loss, really, because it was quite late on. I think yeah. there was only like two or three minutes to go. So I think, yeah. and I definitely think Werder Bremen deserved to win the game in, in that one. They scored two good goals. But yeah, for me, it was a penalty, actually, that one. Yeah, um, completely agree what you say, Mark. I, th- I think Werder can controlled the game well after the, well, unfortunate and really disappointing injury for for Girassi, uh, and yeah. he, you know he'll be missing now, and you know Stuttgart don't have the opportunity mm-hmm. to replace him. As we were talking off air, Peter, weren't we? But as the window slammed shut, um, and you know from, from an offensive point of view, Stuttgart been, have been struggling all season anyway, and where Girassi has been helping the team out, but where a goal is going to come from now i mean you've got five who who had done well with with darmstadt in, in the slides of bundesliga um Pereira, who they signed I'm pretty sure on on a free who, who's done absolutely nothing uh tiago tomas uh, is is injured um and is a, you know kind of a differential player who can make a difference but and again we we're talking about silas who just hasn't been the same um a bit of excitement around Furick, but his end product is hit and miss. So mm. I genuinely cannot see, unless it's Mavropanos banging in a header. But he's, <laughs> he's, he's now making mistakes left, oh, right. And yeah, oh, yeah. How about that gift to Yen's stage on his, yeah. on his uh, birthday, um, uh, no less? Quite. Yeah. So plenty to mull over um, for, for Labadia. Um, mm-hmm. What on earth can, um, I mean, fix other than when they possibly played Schalke and Hertha. You have no no center forward. You have no target man on that uh, on that team. And um, 
the only, as we were talking off air, the only potential, uh, um, you know, sort of positive development down the road could be if Sosa and Silas are fit. Silas plays better advanced on the right wing, working a synchronized split stagger with uh, Sosa, who also, you know, can cut, can creep up that flank. That still doesn't solve the issue of who's in the middle. You have nobody in the middle to aim for. When you had Sasha Kalajic, you didn't even have to aim for him. I mean, he was so long that, you know, <laughs> there yep. was uh, uh, a cross of uh, dubious accuracy could still be put away by him. Yeah. So I don't, yeah, this is, I suppose that's probably a good segue into the relegation race talk if you want to talk about it. Because Stuttgart and Hatta, uh, two traditional clubs, two, you know, clubs that were, uh, you know, trying to get comfortable with being regular top tier sides again, look to be headed down once mm -hmm. more. Yeah, yeah, I think the, I think I'd be shocked if the bottom three change now. And I know there's so much distance to go, um, but even now the three points from Stuttgart in, in obviously the the relegation playoff place to Hoffenheim and Balkan seems like a chasm. Because of the fact that Stuttgart can only get these, you know, hard-fought draws. Um, and Hertha are all over the place. Schalke are, you know, so far have done well to get a couple of, you know, nil-nil draws. And there have been some positives in, in, in those performances, but still a long, long way away from any kind of optimism you'd kind of feel. So, yeah, a long way to go. But for me... The bottom three as it stands, I'd be shocked if it changed, really, I would. I don't know about you two, but, yeah, that, that's the pessimism in me already from a fan, <laughs> I guess. Yeah, yeah they look like the three poorest sides, definitely. But as you say, I don't, I'm not convinced it's good for the Bundesliga because, obviously, Schalke is one of the biggest clubs in the country. Hertha Berlin is the capital club that everyone wanted to do better than what they're doing, really, because, obviously... Berlin to have a good football club is really important for the Bundesliga, although Union are doing a pretty good job at the moment to replace that. But and then obviously VFB Stuttgart as well, which is a very, very well-supported club down there in Baden-Württemberg. But yeah, I mean, it, I can't see three uh, a worse team than them at the moment, because obviously we mentioned Bochum are looking really, really good, especially at home. You know, they're mm. going to pick up results. They look like the kind of side that can win a lot of games at home. Like Augsburg don't look like a bottom three side. They look solid and they've got quality up front. You know, even Hoffenheim. Hoffenheim are probably looking the most likely, actually, at the minute. They could get dropped into it, to be honest, because they look really poor. But as Peter mentioned, I think if they get a better coach in, then they should go clear, really. But, you know, as for Hertha in the game against Frankfurt, I mean, that was as easy as a 3-0 win as you're going to get. I didn't even think uh, Frankfurt didn't hit the top form in that game at all or even come close to it, really. I mean, the first goal was obviously a penalty. The second one was a good strike, but again, by Mouani, who has got two goals again, up to nine goals for the season. I think he's got 10 or 11 assists as well, which is incredible. But, yeah, I mean, it was just so easy. After that, the game just died, didn't it? After 2-0, it was, what, after 20, 25 minutes? The game was just a non-event, really, and it was pretty much the last kick of the game when they finally made it 3-0, really. But, I mean, that was just too easy, really, for Frankfurt. I know Frankfurt are a good side and the kind of team that can win games without playing the best, but you've got to fight. You know, they've only got 15 games left to save the proverbial bacon, you know, and they're just not looking like they're going to be able to do it 
Everton at the moment. And Schalke are actually possibly looking more lightly at the minute than Hertha, incredibly, because, you know, they got a very, very hard-earned draw, which, by the way, Peter, what a tip that was. You tipped that <laughs> nil-nil. Yeah, you'd have made a lot of people rich on that one. I think. <laughs> yeah, I, I was convinced that Gladbach had hammer them, to be honest. But, yeah, it was a very, very hard-earned and deserved point in the end for me. Mm-hmm. Gladbach, not not a very good team, uh, not a very good football team. The, the midfield, I would say one of the biggest disappointments from a German fan perspective has been Julian Weigel. Since Weigel. He's, uh, mm. he's, he's not a, a good midfield flight director and he makes far too many errors. Um, Christoph Kramer at the 10, that's got to stop. Uh, what, what about the young man Kone? Because when me and Mark did a watch along, probably our first one, I think it was yeah. Mark, and he was he man of the really match good. probably, and it was so exciting. Yeah. He just, well, he could stand with a Kramer, could probably be a better partner for him than Vigo. But they, they want to use Vigo, they want to get Vigo back in the form. He's sort of a, a big name acquisition. Uh, Fox 4231, we talked about how it overachieved against Hoffenheim, Hoffenheim being in the state that they are. Um, so yeah, uh, two bad teams is why I tipped that nil-nil draw. <laughs> could have come away with three points. Uh, they did generate some chances towards the end. They did. Uh, when we talk about Hertha, uh, oh, good Lord. I mean, Florian Niederlechner, which Mark and I were talking about mm. uh, during the watch along, not necessarily a player who wants to be there, was a total bust in his starting debut. Um, a big tactical change uh, from uh, Sandro Schwarz at the half. He brought on the the only acquisition that Hatta were able to bring in besides Niederlechner, uh, Sajasi. And he sort of ran the midfields uh, uh, reasonably well. We got some interesting comments from Kevin Prince Boateng in the mixed zone afterwards. Um, he was uh, confident that the team can avoid, that his hometown team of Charlottenburg, uh, the quadrant of Berlin, can avoid relegation. And he also said he was disappointed um, that the Frankfurt fans didn't boo or whistle him when he came onto the pitch. Uh, <laughs> he put that a, as a as a personal affront. Uh, that was a that was a. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, yeah, there's no one who can really rescue them, including and most especially Kevin Prince Boateng, because the old dog is is not going to make is not going to log too many minutes on the pitch, and what he can do in the dressing room is is limited because of that. Um, you know, it, they're going to get relegated again. and uh, But it should be a fun rebuilding phase in the Zweite Bundesliga when they they bring Paul Darde back uh, to coach the team again. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. For his fifth or sixth spell. <laughs> He's like the Louis Van Gaal of, of, uh, of Hatsa BSC. Uh, just bring him back in and and then they'll, uh, they'll rebuild. I, I did want to say about Union, um, you know, German tactic heads are having all of these discussions about how nuanced Union Berlin's tactics are, but they're not. They're not nuanced. <laughs> they're pretty straightforward. <laughs> it's just a straightforward three-five-two uh, double stack with the wing backs being rotated in and out, and and now there'll be some midfield rotations from the uh, buttressing things. Um, Marcus Taram, uh, uh, Balam brings up. I'll get to that in just a second. Union are are a simple team. I'm not sure. I would say the title contenders are Dortmund, Leipzig, Frankfurt, Bayern right now. Mm-hmm. Union not the discussion just yet. Um, Marcus Turam would have been sold in the January transfer window were it not for some fresh injuries. Um, 
And yes, he is going to depart on a free this summer, as is uh, Rami Bensabaini. That's pretty much common knowledge. Mm. Um, so Gladbach, not in the rele uh, relegation discussion this year. Next year, most definitely. Uh. Yeah, interesting stuff. Um, yeah, we shall see as the weeks and months go on in regards to the relegation battle. Um whether it goes down to the wire like it did um, amazingly last season or, or whether it's kind of locked in uh, and it might just be between a couple of teams as to who's, luck, well, say lucky enough to get that relegation playoff match and, and get another stab at it, so to speak. So we shall see. Um, we'll maybe just close off the last couple of minutes of, of the show just kind of uttering back to the title race then. So... Peter, you you've added that you've added your four into the mix. So you, you think obviously it's between Bayern, Dortmund, Leipzig, and Frankfurt. Um, there's five points separating those uh, four teams, with Union nestled in between that. Obviously, only a point behind. Um, I mean, it'd be amazing if Union lasted. I, I, I don't know until match week 28 or 9 that's obviously a long time away um ju just for the sake of the romance of it but i, I guess it, just to have a title race gents is is what we're after um mark do you think that after what peter said dortmund are the real deal are leipzig still too inconsistent um and will frankfurt's involvement in Europe stifle their potential title race? Yeah, I think at the moment it's looking like Dortmund, to be honest, which is quite ironic because I really didn't fancy them in the Hinrunde, but I just, I've been so excited by what they've done so far. I think there's been a mixture of really, really exciting attacking performances like against Freiburg and Augsburg. But then I, the one that impressed me the most was that win against Leverkusen. I thought they were brilliant in that game. And for me, that was a title-winning performance because the... They weren't the better team, but they were able to get the win. And I thought tactically they were brilliant in that game against a Leverkusen side who were really, really hot at that time. You know, and they played well in that game too, Leverkusen. There was nothing wrong with their performance. And I thought, for me, that's the kind of win you need uh, if you want to win the title. That's the kind of performance that Bayern Munich put in away from home against top four rivals, you know. And for me, that's been missing from Dortmund for probably, well, five, six, even seven years really now. And that's the first time I've seen it, definitely since we've been doing this show, Rory that they've been able to go away from home against a side like that and put in a real show. You know, they were resolute. They showed quality. Kobo really showed, uh, you know, what he can do in net. And I just thought that was the one that really made me think, you know, maybe they could win it. And then obviously they backed that up with that brilliant 5-1 win over Freiburg. Obviously they got luck with the with the decision, the red card, but still, you know, to be a top four challenger 5-1 is still impressive ultimately. And the, the stars seem to be aligning, you know, obviously Allaire is back. They've got a lot of players on form. Julian Brandt is showing his best football for a long time. And I just think, you know, things aren't right at Bayern as well. That's ultimately, that's what gives me the most confidence in anything because things aren't right at Bayern Munich. And as we mentioned, they finally ended that three-match winless run, but it wasn't in convincing style by any means. And it seems as though there's rumblings behind the scenes at Bayern Munich as well that all is not right. So for me, you know, I think Dortmund can do it. I think for Leipzig, I don't... No, 
one, to be honest. I think they should have, they should be able to score a goal past that Cologne side. And I know they had the goal disallowed a little. Obviously, it was the correct decision, but it was very, very narrow. But for me, there is... I wasn't impressed with them against Stuttgart either. I didn't think they were very good in that game. So that's two average performances back-to-back now. And they should be beating that kind of side easily, really, the teams like Cologne and uh, Stuttgart. So... Union, everyone wants Union to be champion. Let's be honest. That would be the best story since Leicester City won the Premier League. But, I mean, realistically, top four has got to be their goal. Frankfurt are still in with a chance for me as well, but I've not been overly impressed with their performances. They've not hit the ground running since we came back for the, the rook runder for me. I think, obviously, eight points from four games is still good, but they're not at the level they need to be to really push for the title at the minute for me. Good stuff. Well, um, I think we have reviewed as much as we possibly can do in what was another fantastically intriguing and entertaining Bundesliga weekend. Uh, We shall uh, leave you with excitement uh, ahead of the next match week, which we will be back next Tuesday to review. Uh, We will uh, release details of when the fantasy show will come out this week, hopefully after a bit of availability jigging around we'll be able to get that out for you guys as well um so thanks very much to everyone that's tuned in tonight and uh provided comments and questions they're always really valued and and thank you to everyone so much for tuning in um so i shall gladly pass over to mark to finish up the show and to maybe drop one more reminder about the giveaway that over the bar are running yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, if you enjoyed what you saw today, then check out our Twitter feed, which is at Over the Bar FB and at Over the Bar Extra. Remember also our giveaway as well. It's the second giveaway in two weeks. So, yeah, get uh, yeah. So basically, but this time it's not with Bundesliga boxes. It's with surprise shirts, which is run by the Football League Weekly YouTube chat. Uh, well, a show. So basically what they're doing is they're giving away a free football show, which can be from anywhere all over the world. But go over to our Twitter to check it out and more details are explained there. So if you want to enter the draw, then remember to do that uh, and follow the instructions for how to do that. Then, yeah, also remember to check out our main site as well, which is otbfootball.net. So you can see just about everything football related on there. We have women's football, Scottish football, just about every brand of football you can imagine on there. And also remember to check out Peter and Runa's Bully News as well, who we are in partnership with. Again, you know, you can see everything Bundesliga related on there, really everything. Like it's very up to date, all the kind of current news, a lot of translations from German publications like Kicker and uh, The Build, things like that. So, yeah, remember to, but don't read The Build itself, by the way. Yeah, but <laughs> <laughs> just a, a precursor there. But yeah, some fantastic translations and articles there. And also, uh, don't forget to like, comment, and subscribe as well. So, yeah, thanks a lot again for your uh, attention this evening. And we'll see you again for the fantasy show on Thursday. So, yeah, ciao. Bye-bye, guys. Cheers, all.